Let's continue talking about our recent series titled uh, Pilgrim's Life. Today we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 5 to 11. What are the responsibilities of uh, believers? Last week I spoke about, uh, I started on uh, chapter 5 saying that uh, we can actually divide it into two parts. The first four verses talks about the responsibilities of church leaders. Verses 5 to 11 talked about responsibilities of believers. Uh, leaders of the church there are three very important responsibilities shepherd to oversee or watch over and to set an example and what about for us who are believers what are our responsibilities in our world today this is referred to as a uh, generation of consumerism and there is a phrase that's very famous. And, uh, the customer is God. So that is why we have to please the customers in every way because they're considered like God. And so we bring this concept even into the church. And I'm sorry to say this. A lot of people come to church and they feel that they are customers. They require the church to give them the best service. And uh, the, uh, the church has got to have the best music. Ushers have to be the most polite. And the preachers have to be very dynamic and powerful. And of course, the air conditioning has to be cold enough. And if I bring my children to uh, the church, the Sunday school has to take good care of my kids. Parking And that there will be no problem with parking. And so that uh, I'll be allowed to have uh, to enjoy the worship. And what about my responsibility? My responsibility is to give money or to donate. Why do I donate? In order for the church to be able to maintain a high standard of worship. And if one day, if I discover. That the standard of service of the church has dropped. Then I would uh, give my opinions. And uh, to put it bluntly, that I would start criticizing. And if the church doesn't listen to me, I'm no choice. I have no choice. I've got to look for another place. I've got to look for a place that will uh, provide me with a high standard of service. Because the customer is God. And if uh, the church doesn't fulfill my requirement, then I'll have to leave. In reality, is that really so? 
On one hand, yes, 教会应该好，恁嚟教会做嘅人有一个真真好嘅敬拜。Yes, that's right. Yes, indeed, the church has to be able to provide a very good atmosphere for worship. 那是要尽量好，恁嚟教会嘅敬拜，你大家所在，无论是近啊近嘅人，都有实在嘅供给，实在嘅照顾。We will uh, surely be able to provide. Some very good service for in every area, every aspect of our church, even the children's ministry. Looking at it from another point of view, what is the responsibility of believers? Is it only to donate or to give money? Of course not. Of course not. Because we are the church. Because we are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We are parts of the body. And how much have I given for this church? Apart from money. What is my contribution in this spiritual body? So may God help us. And so Peter teaches the, the believers four things. First, Toward leaders, we need to learn to submit. And toward one another, we need to learn to be humble. And toward God, we need to learn to trust. And toward the devil, we need to learn to resist him. And these are four very, very basic responsibilities. Especially as we face this uh, difficult, troublesome world. And these four responsibilities are extremely important. Let me explain. Let me explain. Number one. Number one. We need to learn to submit to our leaders. Chapter 5, verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Elderly can refer to those who are more age, older age. But it can also be interpreted as uh, for those uh, whose spiritual lives are more mature. And according to the context of this passage, the elderly here must refer to the elders uh, before. You need to learn to submit to, uh, to, to the elders in the church because their spiritual lives are more mature than ours. And what about the younger ones? Can refer to those who are really young in age. But the reality is that this refers to those whose spiritual lives are less mature. So what is Peter trying to say here? In the church, those of us who's got more shallower spiritual lives must learn from those who are more spiritually mature. But the word submit is very meaningful. Submission is obedience to authority. It is not, a, it is not about respect or uh, holding one in high esteem. So what is the meaning of this? 
Well, it's okay for you not to respect the person. But if he is an elder of the church, you've got to submit, you've got to obey whatever he says. Now, this is something that's very different from our own concept. We always say this. When a person is without a, tes- a good testimony, then we shouldn't respect him. Earning your respect. You've got to earn your respect. Well, that is not what the Bible says. And uh, you may ask, uh, is that so? Yes. Yes. Because when God puts a person before you, that, uh, someone who has authority in your life, even if you don't respect a person, you still have to listen to whatever he says. And this is the uh, order of authority. And you may ask, is that so? And these are the words of Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 to 3. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. And Jesus said, When the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do whatever they tell you to do. We all know. We all know that during the time of Jesus, not all of them, but most of them, most of the Pharisees and the scribes, they are actually hypocrites. Their lives are without good testimonies. In our words to explain, they are not worthy of our respect. But then Jesus said, if they're sitting in Moses' seat, what does it mean to sit in Moses' seat? And in the synagogue of the Jews, there is a seat. And a person who's teaching the truth. And when he comes into the synagogue, he's going to be sitting in that seat to teach the people about the law of Moses. You know, during the time of Jesus, when a teacher of the law sits on that seat, everyone will have to stand up. And it's the opposite from what we see today. I'm standing here and everybody's sitting down. Maybe perhaps uh, we need to make a change next week. I'm going to be sitting down and you all have to stand up. And so that you all won't fall asleep. Because if you fall asleep, you're going to fall down to the ground. And you're going to die. And then you won't be resurrected. And this was the time of Jesus. This was Moses' seat. Because they represented God in teaching the people about the law of Moses. And everyone had to listen. Now this is very important. Let me repeat this again. Our submission to God is unconditional. But toward people, 
our submission is conditional. If they are not teaching God's truth, and it is our right for us to say no. Because uh, our submission to people, to human beings, should be conditional. But when you're preaching God's truth, we need to listen to him. Even though though, that this person may not have a good testimony. So toward our leaders, toward people who are above us, we need to have an attitude of submission. And under this principle, children, all to obey our parents. Not because your parents are perfect parents, but just simply because they are your parents. In your life, uh, they have the authority over you. And our, as wives, we need to submit to our husbands. Not because your husband has good leadership. Or that he is talented. Or he uh, makes a lot of money. No. No. Just simply because he is your husband. Of course, the opposite is true. As wives, as husbands, we need to love our wives. Not because your wife is very lovable. Just simply because she is your wife. So everyone has to carry his own burden or responsibility. And toward believers. Submitting to God instituted authority, our leaders, that is our first responsibility. Second, we need to learn to be humble towards uh, all the people, toward everyone. Chapter 5, verse 5. All of you cloth yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So what is humility? The word humility in Greek is very meaningful. It means to forget oneself. So to be humble means to that uh, you need to forget who you are. You know, a person, the bigger our ego, the more difficult it, it, uh, is it, for, it is for that person to be humble. Because you feel that you're big. And it's impossible for you to be humble. And Roman Empire was able to conquer uh, the Greek Empire. But then the culture of the Greek Empire was able to conquer the uh, culture of the Roman Empire. Because the Greek culture was very, very rich. And in Greek culture, in the Greek, in Greek culture uh, there was this very famous uh, person. A very famous, a very great person has got four Character traits. 
节。He must have wisdom, righteousness, courage, and self-control. 你嗱冇这四关嘅品格，你唔是伟大嘅人物。And without these four traits, you're not considered a great person. 但是 ，But 喺希腊文化里面 ，In Greek culture， 冇谦卑。There is no humility at all. Humility isn't a virtue. Humility represents weakness. You know where this、uh, the culture of humility started? It started from the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus brought a very special character or cultural trait into this world, and that is humility. Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-nine. The Lord says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." And Jesus publicly declared something: "I am gentle and humble." That I am gentle and humble. And it began with Jesus. The culture, the culture of humility, entered the、uh, Greek culture, entered the Roman Empire. Peter 提示教会宣道 ，and、uh, Peter reminded the believers. 难对教会 leader、教会领袖、教会属灵嘅领袖顺服。Toward the leaders of the church, we need to learn submission. 但对其他人嚟学习谦卑。And to all the rest of the believers, we need to learn to be humble. And toward God, that the, our be, being humble toward God is something that's very simple for all of us. Who would dare not to be humble before God? But to be humble before men, that is not an easy task. Because everyone's ego is very strong. Everyone feels that his or her opinion is the right one. My opinion or my views are the most accurate. So, this is why we have so many problems. That is why we have so many problems today. But how does the Bible teach us? Philippians chapter two, verse three. But how does the Bible teach us? Philippians chapter two, verse three. But how does the Bible teach us? Philippians chapter two, verse three. But how does the Bible teach us? Philippians chapter two, verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Our view is actually the opposite. We value we value ourselves more than others. We look at others as if they are dumber than us. And we see others as weaker than we are. So it's very difficult for you to be humble. So we need to learn to forget ourselves. Only by forgetting ourselves that、uh, that it would be possible for us to be humble. And Peter says that clothe yourselves with humility. And、uh, show or manifest your humility before men. Why? Because God opposes the proud. But then He gives grace to the humble. Now let me ask you a question. Why is it that God opposes the proud? There are two reasons. Number one. Number one. 
The proud relies on himself. Only the humble relies on God. The second reason. The proud only seeks to glorify himself. Only a humble person knows how to give glory to God. So church, we need to learn to clothe ourselves with humility. And Peter teaches us something here. Peter teaches us that uh, that is why you need to humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble, being humble to the point of forgetting yourself, that is not failure. Rather, it represents the fact that uh, you're willing to submit yourselves under the hand of God. And when the time has come, when the right time has come, God will lift you up. Actually, the person standing before you is very good testimony. I came to the Philippines as a pastor at the age of 26 years old. And talking about education, about degrees, about talents, or eloquence, or even IQ. I am a very ordinary person. And if you were to shout out there, Jeremiah Chung, everyone will be looking around and see uh, what's happening. I am uh, such an ordinary person. I'm saying this not uh, out of self-pity or really being trying to be humble. But that is the reality. It is really so. And when I see the co-workers in my church, whether my elders and the rest of my pastors and reverends and preachers, every one of them are actually very, very well-educated, very, very gifted. Perhaps you may not know. If you attended their graduation ceremonies, you would be shocked. Many, many of our pastors in uh, our church, most of them graduated like first honors. And uh, during the graduation ceremony, they would be going up on stage repeatedly. Getting awards, uh, award after award. And these are my co-workers. They're very well-educated, very gifted people. I, I really am not. I'm very ordinary. But in the past 35 years, I just... Uh, committed myself in God's hands. Yes, there are times that when I have a bit of accomplishments, I would feel a bit of pride in my heart. But then God's disciplining hand will come upon me. And then I dare not be proud or arrogant again. May God help us. 
No matter how smart or how accomplished you may be in the world, you must remember before God, we are all nothing. Because everything comes from God. And I do understand that people like me. And if I walk away from God, I would be left with nothing. Apart from God's grace uh, sustaining me, I will have nothing. I am nothing. How about you? How about you? The prophet Micah spoke this very famous word. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and, take note, to walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. This is God's requirement for each and every one of us. So may God help us. Toward everyone, we need to learn to be humble. Third, and toward God, we need to learn to trust. Verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the meaning of this word anxiety is very unique. What does it mean? Being anxious means to be pulled toward the Many directions, all different, all directions. Imagine, uh, Imagine this. You have a lot of things that happened in your life. Unpleasant things happen one after the other. Suddenly, you have this financial problem. And problem with your kids. Suddenly, uh, your relative has got a problem. Suddenly, you had a uh, physical exam and you found out that you have some sort of uh, sickness. You can imagine this. That within a day, that you receive three or four phone calls. Some four or three or four difficulties come your way. And it's impossible for you not to be anxious. It's impossible for you not to worry. What do you do then? And the Bible doesn't say that uh, we don't have all this. Rather, the Bible tells us that we must cast all our burdens unto God. To cast upon means to say to throw these onto someone or to put it down, lay it down. Psalm 55 Cast all your cares upon the Lord your God. For he's going to be looking after you. And this is from the Old Testament. And when we come to the New Testament, same meaning. Cast all your burdens unto God. Because he cares for you. One time, there was a brother who asked me a question. 
And he asked me, Sir, let me ask you a question. There are so many people in the church. There will be uh, sometimes people who will be sharing their problems with you. Sometimes you learn about a certain uh, person in the church who's got uh, a problem. And he asked me, how do you face? How do you uh, manage all this? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you get burned out? Wouldn't you worry? You know how I responded to him? I said, brother, and uh, here's, this, here's a book. And if I put this book on my hand, for me, to, for me it's not a problem. It's quite light. But uh, imagine this. Uh, there's a second book that's on the third book. And the fourth book. And fifth book. Seventh book. I said that I wouldn't be able to carry all of them. But you think about it. And if I get this book in my hand, and if I immediately give it to another person, or put it on the table, and when the second book comes, then I put it again on the table. On my hand, I will forever have only one book. And I said that this is my way or my method. I can only bring the problems of our brothers and sisters before God. Church. Especially for us who are leaders. Listen to me. You are not Jesus Christ. Although my name's initial is JC, Jeremiah Chung. Some people think or, or mistook it for Jesus Christ. No, it's Jeremiah Chung. No, it's Jeremiah Chung. Please remember. You are not the savior of anyone else. And you, you do not have the qualification to be a savior. Don't uh, bring, don't carry the burdens of other people You aren't able to save anyone. He's going to die, you're going to die. But uh, so you need to bring before God all these people. Many, many years ago, there was a sister. When I came to know her, she was like around 50 or 60 years old. I was only in my 30s. But her husband suddenly passed away. You know this sister? She really couldn't accept it. She couldn't accept it. She was crying every day. As a result, every week, every week, she would come to my office and talk to me. And she would be crying in my office. And for about a year, I looked after her because I know that she was really very, very depressed. But I know that she, I am not her savior. So slowly I brought her before God. After one year, she was able to uh, like go out of the house. And later on, the whole family migrated to the U.S. And she only had two daughters. And the two daughters always tell me, this, you know, Pastor, you're my mom's favorite. And your mom always mentions your name. 
And one time I went to the U.S. And she and her two daughters came to see me. We went out for a meal. We had a good conversation. And then she remembered. Pastor, I used to go to see you like for a whole year. Now I'm fine. I'm okay. Don't bring people before you. Because you are not the God of anyone else. You're not the Savior of anyone else. And you did not uh, crucify, you were not crucified on the cross so for Jesus. So may God help us. Pass all our burdens, bring all our problems before God. Because He cares for us. While Jesus was on earth, He taught us not to worry. On the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink. What do you do then? Eating and drinking, these are the basic needs of life. And Jesus taught us two ways. First is to look or see. Think. The second is to think. First, he said, look at the birds of the air. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I can say this with a sense of responsibility. A, uh, the, most, the, the wealthiest person on earth isn't uh, able or qualified to uh, feed the birds of the air. You know how much money you would need to be able to feed all the birds all, the, all over the world? You will surely go bankrupt. But the birds of the air, they do not reap, they do not store away in barns. They do not uh, sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet they do not worry. Why is it that they don't worry? Because the Heavenly Father looks after them. How about you? What about you? You're able to sow, you're able to reap, you're able to store away in barns. What do you then worry about? And you are also a child of the Heavenly Father. Wouldn't He look after you, take care of you? Open your eyes. So open your eyes. Open your eyes to see Jesus. And isn't it we sang this song a while ago? Open your eyes so that I may see Jesus. Not only to see Jesus, but to see the birds of the air. See how they survive. And who's looking after them? It is our Father in heaven, our Creator. And one more thing. Think. What do we think about? Think about the flowers of the field. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now think about this. When you see the flowers of the field, you think of something. When Solomon in all his glory, the clothing that he wore, isn't even 
more beautiful than those flowers. You know, nature, if you have the opportunity, you've got to take a look. Amazed. You will be amazed. You'll observe and uh, realize how beautiful this creation is. Human made or handmade things cannot surpass nature. Even though those flowers, their lives are very short, like maybe some of them just open up for one day and they're gone. Yet God takes care of them. Wouldn't God take care of you? Church. Jesus teaches us something very important here. When your eyes only see, look at yourself. When your mind only thinks about your own needs. You won't go out. You're going to be in worry. When your eyes look at this world, your, when your mind thinks about think about God's work, then faith comes. Don't you worry. I'm sorry to say this. Worry means that you have lost your trust in God. Especially that uh, we are God's children. Whenever we worry, we're actually looking down on God's power. And we are doubting God's faithfulness. That is why time and again the Bible reminds us that you shouldn't worry because you are a child of God. 35 years ago, this person came to the Philippines empty-handed. I say empty-handed indeed, uh, that is true. I'm not lying. On one hand, I had my luggage. The other hand, were my books. And I came to the Philippines. 35 years later, and if I were to leave right now, won't be two hands. Won't be two, will be probably two cars. Or not, the, not even sedan cars. need a big van. Where, where did all these come from? They all came from God. So may God help us. The last thing, we need to resist the devil. Verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, and Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion. When a lion tries to catch another animal, sometimes you watch this on TV. And uh, the lion would be uh, creeping there, hiding. And when uh, it sees another animal. Then it would jump out. And uh, the, uh, probably the animal or won't uh, be able to run away from him. Because he's too fast. And that is uh, how the devil is. He uh, goes around looking. And when he sees his target, it will jump on you. And the only way is to resist him. 
Because James tells us something similar here. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We see that uh, when we are faced with the devil, when we are faced with difficulties, we've got to resist him. And I don't know if you've heard of this in Greek mythology. In Greek mythology, there is this like monster, like a mermaid, uh, whose name was uh, Siren. Siren, Siren, uh, is very good at singing. So, and whenever a sheep passes by, she would sing out in a very beautiful, uh, very attractive voice. And all the sailors will jump into the sea. And of course, they all will be devoured. In Greek mythology, you know who the first person was who was able to overcome? A very famous uh, a Greek uh, hero. And after coming home from war, he uh, sailed uh, toward his home. But he needed to pass by the particular area of the sea. And he knows that uh, that monster, Saren, was uh, in that path where he's going to be taking. And so he was prepared. He had prepared to resist it. You know what he did? First thing, he used wax to plug all the ears of the sailors so that they wouldn't be able to hear any voice. And but then there needs to be someone who would be directing them. And he himself, he couldn't uh, plug his ear, own ears. So he so he asked the people to tie him down on the boat. No matter what, don't untie me. And so that sheep passed through that place. And so that monster was singing again. But the sailors couldn't hear him. Only uh, this hero was able to hear her. But then he wasn't able to uh, to to untie himself because he was all tied up. And he was the first person who was able to successfully pass through that channel of the sea without uh, getting killed. Of course, this is just but a story. That is not true. But this reminds us of something very important. When we are faced with the devil, just like uh, this uh, monster, Siren, we need to resist him. We cannot uh, run away. Verses 8 and 9. Talks about two means. So we resist evil Satan. How we are able to resist Satan. First, be alert and sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Look at verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
be alert and sober mind. 开门是敬心敬修，第万门难辨是唔通醉酒。Sober mind in the original text means not to be intoxicated. 是保持你嘅头壳战战清醒。That is to maintain、uh, your mind to be very sharp and very alert. When a person is intoxicated, his mind, his、uh, behavior, even his language, they, they all will be very confused. But when you are to maintain being alert and of sharp mind, that's the only time that you're able to resist Satan's temptation or attack toward us. Sober mind, or even the Sabbath, you hear this? Sober mind words.、Uh, the phrase "sober mind" appears the third time already. The first in chapter one, verse thirteen. To be alert and of sober mind is necessary in setting our hope in Christ. Chapter four, verse seven says that we must be alert and of sober mind, which is necessary for us in prayer. And here's the last、uh, occasion. To be alert and of sober mind is necessary to resist the devil. Church. Every person's weakness is different. You need to、uh, be of sober mind. There are some people. They are able to stand firm、uh, with money. Whenever they see money, they become greedy. Whenever, whether it be like a big temptation or small temptation. If you are able to stand firm. Uh, in the face of money, then you be, you better not be the one to manage money. You better not be the one to manage finances. Because that is your temptation. And there are some people who aren't able to stand firm in the face of power. Whenever they see power, they would like to grab it. They they like to have control over other people. And there are some people who are able to stand firm in the area of sex. Whenever they see men, women or men, they aren't able to stand firm. You know that. You know it yourself. What is your weakest point in your own life? Be alert. Then be alert. You have to flee. You cannot face this. You know the Chinese have a、uh, saying that's very interesting. We have like 36 plans. Face with different kinds of troubles and difficulties, there are 36 different kinds of plans. But there's something. And amongst the 36 plans, the best of these plans is to flee, to run away. You know what the meaning of this is? When you're faced with something that you aren't able to、uh, overcome, there's only one way: flee. Man. I believe that most of us men, the greatest temptation for us is women. Especially in your middle age. 
Please remember, please uh, take note. This is the greatest temptation. You know why? You know why? Because of your wife. Your wife is no longer 20 years old. She's 50 years old. And her body, her figure. It used to be 36, 26, 36. Now it's 60, 60, 60. Your se- but then your secretary your secretary still is 36, 26, 36 and as you look around you're going to be comparing and then you're going to be in trouble you know people of our age they love looking for looking they love uh, younger women you know why you know why because if I'm together with younger people it makes me feel younger I'm not old look at me I can even attract a 26 year old girl that is what temptation is Man, if you are like that, there's only one way. Flee. Ladies, I don't know about you. Many women, their temptation is shopping. Whenever they see things, they love to buy. Whenever they uh, see the words, uh, S- the word S-A-L-E, they go crazy. Run away. For this is our temptation. But Peter says that uh, when faced with the attack from Satan, you can't run. You need to face him. When you face him by trusting in God, the devil will flee from you. It's not you who's running, but uh, he will run away from you. Second, you need to stand firm in the faith. How do we face the devil? You face him with a firm faith. Look at verses 9 to 10. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We face the attack of the enemy with a firm faith. Then who, what are we trusting in? And these two verses of scripture talks about uh, three things. Number one. Number one, we need to trust in God's grace. For our God is the God who bestows uh, abundant grace upon us. We trust in His grace. And grace is something that we don't deserve. But when we are faced with attacks, you need to see God's grace to help you. There was one time, 
David committed a sin. Because he was counting, he was numbering the men, the fighting men. And this was his because of his pride. He wanted to show to see how strong his own nation is. And as a result, God gave him three kinds of disasters and asked him to choose one. Three years of famine, or three months of uh, fleeing from his enemies, and or three days of pestilence. You know what did David say? David was indeed very wise. And he said, It's so difficult for me to choose. But I'd rather to fall into the hands of God. Rather than in the hands of man. Because our God has abundant grace. And as a result, which one did God choose for him? The three days of pestilence. But it was really very serious. And God and uh, the Bible says that uh, seventy thousand men were killed. Just like our COVID pandemic, where there were a lot of people who were killed. But then the Bible says, when uh, the uh, hand of the uh, angel was upon uh, Jerusalem, and that is uh, meaning to say that the people in Jerusalem were about to be killed, suddenly, God spoke out. God said to the angel, stop. Stop, withdraw your hands. And as a result, God uh, saved or spared the people in Jerusalem. God indeed is a God of grace. Originally, he was supposed to continue slaying the people. But God said, stop. So church, when we are faced with uh, Satan's attack, when we are faced with our difficulties, we need to trust in God's grace. Second, we need to trust in God's power. The Bible says something. Our God is a powerful God. And that uh, we must uh, learn to trust in God's power to face the attacks of the enemy. The most frightening is, remember, it's not the devil. The most frightening is our God. Because only our God is almighty, all-powerful. Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Let me ask you, who is able to destroy both our body and our soul? It's not the devil. It is our God. If you need to fear, you need to fear our God. If you need to depend or to rely, you need to depend and or rely on God's power. Third, you need to trust God for who He is. Because uh, Peter says that God Himself will help you, He will strengthen you. 
One day, when we encounter difficulty, uh, if, for example, in case, we don't see God's grace. No matter how much we pray, no matter how much we trust in Him, we don't see His hand. In fact, uh, we may not see His work. What should we do? There's only one way. You need to trust God Himself. There is a song which I really love. And uh, the title is Trust His Heart. And this is how the lyrics go. All things work for our good. Though sometimes we can see how they could. Struggles and break our heart in two. Sometimes bright us to the truth. Our Father knows what best for us. His way are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim, and you just doesn't send him, remember you're never alone. The God is so wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trade his hand, trust his heart. Even though Shong make mistakes, mistakes Even Trust his heart. So we're going to end uh, today's message with this song. May that song be our own experience. That whatever difficulties we may face, we trust in God's grace. We trust in his power. And when one day, when you really can't see anything at all, trust his heart. Trust his heart.